You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So today's episode is an exciting one because we're actually going to talk about an article that I wrote uh, that just was published in RDH Magazine called Let's Stop Practicing Halfway Hygiene. And halfway hygiene is this concept uh, that has been bouncing around in my brain for a really long time, and I'm excited that I finally managed to get it out on paper. And what halfway hygiene to me means is that we as hygienists know so many things. Like, we are so freaking smart. We know about, you know, people's mouths, but we know about the oral systemic connections. We know about mind-body connections, so many things. And yet, sometimes when we practice, we don't get to use all that information. And we are sort of tunneled into this old model that happened, you know, uh, 30, 50 years ago that has us just cleaning teeth. Um, and you go home at the end of the day and you don't feel very accomplished. You almost feel kind of overwhelmed and burnt out and kind of like you did it halfway. And so today I brought on Jess Thaler, RDH, um, who reached out to me at, about the article. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we have to do a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> so to talk about the top five reasons that we're stuck in halfway hygiene and, and maybe what we can do about it. So Jess, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Amanda. I'm so excited that this concept resonated with you because really it's kind of a funny thing that's been in my head for a long time. Yeah, it's it's definitely something, um, you know, like we were discussing when I first met you, it was something that I was personally going through. And it's tough. It's tough to um, to be in that in that place where, you know, you kind of just you're going through the motions every day and every day is the same day and you're just like, I got to do something different. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a good topic to touch on for sure. You know, it is funny. I think when I first started practicing hygiene, hygiene did feel like Groundhog Day, like I was doing yeah. the same things over and over again. And hygiene shouldn't it shouldn't shouldn't feel that way anymore because every patient is so darn different. That really, it should be like you have this arsenal and you pull out the tools that you need for that patient, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I actually, I disagree with that. I start when I started out, I was like so excited. I was like beyond excited to be doing what I was doing. Um, every single day, I was, I was super excited to go to work. I was happy to be there, and that that continued for a few years. Um, but then, you know, you get, you get tired. You get, you know, you're fitting you know, scaling and root planings into 45 minute profies and you're fitting, you know, 10 plus years of no professional care into, you know, maybe two cleanings or, you know, whatever the patient decides to want to pay for. And so it's, it, it's tough and it, it really does get to you after, after a while for sure. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about kind of your journey. So I started hygiene in uh, the office that I'm currently working in. And uh, it was the very first office I ever worked in as a hygienist. Um, and I was really fortunate to have um, a, a dentist that I work for who um, really gave me that autonomy that I think we're all looking for so much. And I, I don't know if it was because she was, you know, fairly new at owning the practice or and just didn't, you know, didn't have the capacity to deal with all of that um, or what it was. But I really took that and ran with it. And I I have built this, you know 
rapport with my patients. And I built this thing in this office um, where, you know, we had such great connection between my dentist and myself. Um, you know, she really, all of her trust was in me and, and it was, you know, vice versa. And we, so we really worked really well together. Um, but what I ran into was, um, you know, I had all of these patients that I was meeting for the first time that I was seeing for the first time, a few first few years there. Um, and they were all just heavy calculus. They were bleeding. They were, it was just, it was not great. Um, and so I think, you know, years of trying to get through that and trying to talk to my patients about, you know, why this is all happening now. And Hey, um, you're a new hygienist. What do you do? Like, well, how come all these bad things are happening now? And it was just this big. And so I think emotionally for me, like that was really hard to go through that because you have to constantly kind of tell people, you know, Hey, somebody else didn't do the greatest job. And that's a hard thing to do. So um, hard. It's super hard to be honest with people like that because, you know, I love my office and I want my patients to come back to that practice. You know, I ha I am very invested in my practice as well. So it's like, you know, I, um, so that, that was, uh, was tough. So anyway, I, uh, I actually tried to get out of, of doing clinical hygiene and I tried to look for something else, which is where I met Amanda, um, doing uh, one of Tony's seminars there. But, um, I, I couldn't find anything that fit nothing. I tried insurance. I tried, you know, to, I, I thought about getting my bachelor's in hygiene and I really, um, I'd love to pursue other facets of the profession. Um, I just feel like a bachelor's in hygiene pigeonholes me a little bit. Like if I'm going to spend the money for, you know, higher education, I need to be able to do something with it, you know, that may take me out of, of, of dental hygiene. So, um, I couldn't find anything that really fit. So instead I trying to shift my focus and, um, you know, come back to maybe finding somewhere that was a better fit for me or finding, you know, position that was a better fit. So um, I ended up working in another office and, and that was, we led to the DSO thing. Um, I worked for a small, a small DSO and uh, it was good. It wasn't bad. You know, the very, very caring providers that I worked with um, and it was great, but it was still that mentality that, you know, everybody was kind of just a production number or, you know, um, it was, you know, we have to knock off all of these checklist things that need to be done in an appointment. And it was um, the other thing I, I you know, I, I struggled with was the computer, to be honest with you. Like I am just I, I'm 38 and I should have the ability to use a computer, um, but I don't I don't spend a lot of time on a computer. You know, our profession, I feel like our profession it takes us away from that. We don't do the video, you know, it's not something that we do every day. Um, and so my office was all paper. Um, so going to an office that was all digital, I found to be very distracting and really difficult to um, get used to because I found that I was taking so much of my time away from my patients, just trying to navigate through the system and, and, you know, doing all these things on a computer. Whereas before I just pick up a pen, pen and write it down, you know, it's just so much less time consuming. So um, I struggled with that. And then, uh, <laughs> I eventually left there cause it just wasn't the position for me. It just wasn't, um, it wasn't the office for me. So, um, and now I am back to my, my old office, my original stopping ground. <laughs> I, lo I love that you made it full circle and, and, yeah. and you entered right back to where you started and you realized, oh, wait, hang on. Can, you know, I can totally make this work. Yeah. And part of it was, was like I said, I've, I've been kind of doing this whole self 
journey for the past few years trying to find out, you know, what it is that makes me happy, what it is that I need to do. You know, I I feel like we're so, and the pandemic was a huge thing that kind of, you know, sparked this for me was why do we do this? Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, why do we work so hard? Why am I getting up at four o'clock in the morning to get up to go to work for a seven o'clock patient? Like, there's just so many things that didn't work with my life that because I have a son and, you know, and I'm doing this thing and that thing. And so just, I was trying to, you know, find something that could kind of just make my life a little less stressful. I feel like, you know, you touched on that stress in the last um, podcast and it's huge. Like it affects how you work. It affects everything that you do. Um, Even down to like musculoskeletal things. Like, and as a hygienist, that's a huge thing. And I was in so much pain and doing so much of these things that I thought would be preventative things, but it was really like a lot of stress and anxiety that was actually compounding that pain and adding to a lot of my discomfort every day. So absolutely. So so really what you're saying is to bring it back into the article is you were trying to go from practicing halfway hygiene to wholehearted hygiene. Yes. Exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. I wanted to get there. It was really hard to figure out how to get there though. Like when, yeah, it is hard. Well, let's launch into that. Let's talk about that. So what are the top five reasons that we're stuck in halfway hygiene? And so the first one um, typically, I always have the guests say it, but since I came up with them, I'll say <laughs> yeah, it. That's the good. first one is licensure and state laws, at, which I think is one thing that, you know, and there's nothing specific that we can blame to this, you know, place blame in the halfway hygiene. I think it's a multitude of things, but but certainly licensure and state laws, I think it's something that does hold us back. It's It's amazing when you travel. I live in Virginia near the North Carolina border. If I were to travel across the border, all of a sudden, things I can do in Virginia not only can I not practice in North Carolina because I don't have a state license, as if the right. teeth are different there, but <laughs> I can't do anesthesia. I can't use lasers. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, my brain cells, you know, I lost a few because yeah. I crossed a state line. And, and yeah. I, I would love to see some sort of national national board, first off, national accreditation and, and and sort of a standardization of what we can yes. do all across the country. Yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes, because you're 100% correct. There's really no, I mean, what is... What is the, where does your knowledge go when you cross a state line? Yeah, it's, it is an, an, an interesting way to do it. But yeah, I agree with that. And I think really that, um, the, um, the autonomy that we're missing as hygienists, like you said, we are, we're so freaking smart. We have so much information in our heads. And if, you know, if most hygienists are like me, I feel like we all have that little bit of OCD, that little bit of like, and we're just, you know, I have so many patients who are like, oh my God, you're like a huge tooth nerd, aren't you? Like, and I do like, I read about it. I'm fascinated about it. I love it. And I feel like a lot of us are like that. And so, you know, why not let us do what we're here to do? And I think, you know, that, it's tough with the, you know, the licensure. I mean, I, you know, having the degree to be able to go out and do, you know, uh, I can't remember what it is that it's called, but the master's degree for hygiene that you can go and, and open your own practice in some of the states. I think well, it's, yeah, you it know, really Alaska, depends on like the, the state. It's all, it's all state specific. Right. right. And, so, I mean, and, but, you know, yeah. why? Why is that? Why can't I do that in New right. York? You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why, so, why does it change state to state? And so, yeah, it's, and, it's, yeah. And I'm all for like if, you know, like Washington state, they have it, that expanded functions hygienist, which, yes. you know, I'm all for, then extra training, like, you know, if I, if that's something I want to do, like, absolutely, let's go back and get another certification. I, many career fields have that, that you have extra certifications yes. to do extra things. And so, right. but I think that's one thing that really holds us back. The next thing I think is insurance and coding. <sighs> uh, yes. 
Ah, uh, yes, the insurance. Um, and I, I wrote myself a note because that was something that I really wanted to talk about was like, I trying to work around insurance companies has been like a new thing for me. Like this has been like a thing. So in our office, like this is what we do. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you try to figure out the best way to get, you know what I mean? To get patients care and then also not, you know, bankrupt them getting that care because, you know, some of the things that we do are pretty involved and pretty expensive. So I think that's a huge, uh, um, a huge barrier for us. Uh, you know, as far as hygienists go, I feel like we all feel like we're a little bit chained by the insurance codes. And, you know, why aren't there codes for a patient who hasn't had a prophy in 20 years? Like, because that's a totally different cleaning. You know, they might not have bone loss. They may not have, you know, significant pocketing, maybe some fours, you know what I mean? Maybe they're not bleeding, but they've got, you know, tons of calculus. It's just some people's immune systems are better than others. Like, it's just really just how it works. But it's still going to take me like six hours to clean off that tenacious 20-year calculus that's been in there. Right. So and, how and do you go, there, you know, where do you go there? Why isn't there reimbursement for when I just need to sit and talk to a patient and, and yes. I don't actually pick up an instrument, you know, right. not a scale exactly. But it's just yep. as valuable and we're going to we're going to get to health just as much. It's just as important. But yep. there's but you can't charge out for that. And so, you know, oftentimes you're you, you know, you ha- you feel like you're forced to do something that you yes. can charge out for. Yes, exactly. And it and I think too, you know, a lot of us tend to and I do it myself, especially if I'm with like a really involved patient, I have a hard time talking and working at the same time sometimes just because if I'm really concentrating I'm just I got to really focus but um all the other times I'm literally talking I'm talking and I'm teaching and I'm and I'm telling patients about all even if it makes no no sense to them like even if it doesn't connect with anything that we were previously talking about I feel like if I just say it it's got to be better you know than not saying it at all but but if I could sit down and you know be face to face with the patient in a chair without having sharp instruments and them being afraid of me and to have that conversation with them, I feel like that would be so much more successful for everyone. I, so. I totally agree. <laughs> All right. So the next one is uh, dentists. Uh, sometimes that they're kind of what's in the way of our ability to practice wholehearted hygiene, right? Yes. Yes, I agree. And I think that um, a lot of times is, you know, t- I think it's a time thing. You know, uh, when I worked, um, with dentists who were employees, you know, they worked on production. So, you know, doing the hygiene checks was something that they could just kind of do quickly. And it wasn't anything that they had to put a lot of time in, you know, they, it would be a, a, you know, whatever their production was for the day. Um, you know, the problem with that is that, you know, say you have a hygienist who maybe is struggling with one area in the mouth or, you know, the teeth are getting cleaned the way that they should be. Who's, who's, monitoring that you know who is who's basically who's checking that you know i've asked my patients or my dentists a lot that i've worked for you know do you check for sub gingival calculus do you check that in your exam because i'm super curious i've walked into plenty of offices have bite wings taken a year ago and there's like a giant white thing of calc under that gum line and it's still there the next x-ray i'm like who how come you know how come nobody's checking that but um you know i think that's a huge thing but you know and i think again they're kind of tied to their own um, restrictions as far as, you know, practicing goes. And it all boils down to, I think that one, it's that almighty dollar. You know what I mean? It's that, right. it's well, the I mean, healthcare they're business is, owners. They have a yeah. business that they have to yep. keep afloat. They have to yep. keep that afloat to pay us, to pay exactly. the front desk, to pay the assistant. So I totally get it. Absolutely. I mean, yep. it's, it's, 
and, and so to be able to to find a dentist that you know your philosophy of treatment and their philosophy Correct. of treatment meet so that you yes. can both work toward you know your goal which is you know tr- giving patients the absolute best treatment that you can do it so how can you do that by setting up you know recall times that make sense you know how long do you right. have for a hygiene appointment right. i just you know you read things on social media about different things that you know hygienists are quote unquote forced to do by yes. dentist owners or even yes. even front desk people. Yes. <laughs> you yes. And you know, it's very true. You, it's almost like you're bullied into like do you know, I have had I've had dentists ask for me to do infiltrations for um composites and I'm like, uh no, not, I'm not yeah. gonna do that. not in my scope of practice. <laughs> Sorry. If you want I me don't to have know a greater why, but so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want me to have a greater yeah. scope of practice, oh my goodness, yes. help me. Let's go. Get Let's on the board. Then. I know, I know, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I you know, but on the on the flip side of that, you know, you do have dentists who don't understand what it is that you do, who don't have any idea what you're capable of doing as a hygienist. And I've seen firsthand, I've seen tissue literally come back from being, you know, cyanotic and, and crazy inflamed. And at the end of the appointment, I look at him like, holy cow, look what I just did. Look and, it, did. you know, it, I know, look what I can do. It's crazy what we're, we're able to do with our hands. It, it's really, it's mind blowing. And so I think sometimes dentists just don't appreciate that or they don't know that. And I think if you're in an office like that, and you're very strongly opinionated as a hygienist about, you know, people's health, and you probably should find somebody that you can work with better because that's a huge, that's going to be a huge block in your, in your road to being happy with what you're doing. Just to be satisfied at the end of the day, having somebody who can work with you like that is huge. Absolutely. So who understands so what you're number doing. Number four, number four is patience. <laughs> Patients, yes, patients. Um, because, you know, some patients, they still think like they're, we're, we're the nurse or yes. the tech or, you know, or or the patients that are like, I just want my teeth cleaned. Just clean my teeth. Yeah. Just clean my yeah. teeth. That's all I want. Yeah, I had a patient. I was walking him back to one of my operatories at one point and um, I was already, you know, 10 minutes behind my appointment time and we're walking back and he's like, so... I have a meeting in 20 minutes, um, but we should be good, right? And I was like, well, actually, you're scheduled for an hour. So, but you just go in and just, you know, you just scrape a little and you, and I'm like, yeah, no, I, we got to talk <laughs> because we're going to take this 20 minutes and we're going to have a little conversation about what it is that I do because I just felt like he had no concept of what it was. And, I, and that's like, it's, I felt a little bit, you know, taken aback by that. Like, I was almost a little offended. I was like, you know what, Sarah, like, I need to talk to you because, you know, it's important, I think, for patients to understand that what we're, I have so, had so many patients come and they just, they don't know what we're doing in there. No, they have no they idea. They think that the profi paste at the end is that that's, is the, cleaning. that's the cleaning. Yeah, that's yeah. the cleaning. Why didn't you actually clean my teeth? Well, right. okay. What have I yeah. been doing for the past 30 minutes? But yeah. Um, right. So I think that's huge. And I think that, you know, um, we tend to be, you know, a little a little bit above, well, I mean, I, you know, as a, as a healthcare professional, I feel like most healthcare professionals tend to, you know, they stand at a place where you're talking to a patient and you're educating them. And we, I think it's difficult to get yourself onto the same level with the patient. And, um, you know, we had talked about this earlier, but, um, professionalism in, in our, um, in our field is a thing that I get to talk to a lot about. I think I just tend to not have a filter and I tend to talk to my patients like people because I want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to know what's going to motivate you because that's what I need to, to figure out to do my job. Um, and I think, you know, um, 
sitting down and actually discussing with the patient what we do and, and how what we're doing is important for them is huge. And I think, you know, you can take the five minutes to do that and it really will change how a patient sees you. And that, you know, can help to to take away that that barrier at least. Absolutely. And I think take away that feeling of, you know, that halfwayness that, you know, that's all yes. we're doing is polishing teeth. So Number five, yes. this is the one I think is the most important to this, you know, reason that we get stuck in this halfway hygiene. And it's and and we have to turn around and look at ourselves in the mirror because I think it's us that yeah. we we are part of this. We are a huge part of this problem. It's how we view ourselves. It's how we talk about ourselves. It's how we use the term cleaning. You know, let's take yeah. that off the table. But but yeah. the big thing is, is to figure out as a hygienist. What what are your values and what's going to make you fulfilled? And so the office that's going to work for me or the position that's going to work for me is not necessarily going to be the same as for you, Jess, or for, you know, the next hygienist. And so figuring out what does it take for you personally to feel fulfilled at the end of the day where you're not like, I suck, I only did a tiny bit like to to do that. For me, it's been really great. I've been doing some um, life coaching with Life Leap Coaching with Michelle Galloway. It's really helped me it, over COVID was great. I took a bunch of classes yeah. on emotional intelligence and learning more about mm-hmm. myself and DISC and EI and like all of that's been huge for understanding yeah, this, you know, understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're a hundred percent right. I think, um, you know, a lot of the struggle is with us and I, I think all of these factors play into that and I think they just kind of contribute to us maybe not feeling so great about the thing in general. So it really, and that's a great, you know, that's a great point, um, you know, that everybody feels satisfied differently. And it's something, honestly, I never thought about Amanda until just, until you just said it right now. But, you know, I was sitting here thinking, you know, how, how does a hygienist leave like that calculus in their mouth, like that supra calc, you know, that you see a piece of, cal- how does that hygienist leave that there? But, and then I think about it, you know, maybe they were too busy talking about cleaning subgingival or, t- you know, something like that. And you're hundred percent right. But I feel like if what you feel is important, isn't valued where you are, you're never going to, you, yeah, you're never going to get to that place where you're never going to that gonna feel place. happy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You'll never be able to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's through like, maybe, maybe that wholehearted feeling comes from something a little different. Like maybe you, you still practice clinical hygiene, but you grab onto other things. You know, some people yes. become ambassadors for products and yep. you know that's what brings them fulfillment. I know that I've talked before about the Smiler Saver um, retainer case that you can hook to yep. your phone and people can can be ambassadors for that. And that's, you know, way that you bring more, you know, money into your pocket, but but also right. maybe you feel more fulfilled. Like you're like, I did it. Like, yes, you know, I, right. Like moments, you just made somebody's yes day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, you know, you have a patient comes in the, and they took out their Invisalign and they're like, what do I do with these? Like looking at you, Hey, here, look at, look at, give me that. And it, it's a good, like, you I know, even just, sh- yes. And that's very, to me, that's very fulfilling. If you're fulfilled by something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's review our top five. Cause oh my gosh, yes. we could talk for a thousand yes, sorry, hours. Sorry. We think, could, and, we definitely yeah, could. We're going long. All right. So our top five reasons why we're stuck in halfway hygiene. Maybe we need a part two of this is uh, number one, licensure and state laws. Number two, insurance and coding. Number three, dentists. Number four, patients. And number five, ourselves, guys. So there is a part two coming to the article. I'll link the first article in here. It's called Let's Stop Practicing Halfway Hygiene. And it's an RDH magazine. And part two called Wholehearted Hygiene. It's coming out next month. So be sure to check it out. And um and reach out to me and Jess. Uh, let us know your feelings. <laughs> Jess, if they want to reach out to you, how can they find you? 
Um, I, I'm like, I'm such a hermit. You can email me. <laughs> I, I don't even that's, have social media. That's um, what I, I do don't do. Email. Yeah. So no, you just, um, J S Thaler, T H A L E R five, five, one, four at gmail.com is my email. If you'd like to reach out. Perfect. Well, Jess, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I really enjoyed talking with you. It's been fun. Now, everyone, we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five, (laughs) or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your dental top five. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 